Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Welcome to Engage Success Radio Show number 429, Shared Reality for Performance, a communications opportunity. Uh, we've had some technical issues. Uh, I've had to dial in on my phone, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, this is recording well and you can hear us. <laughs> if not, you'll have to re-record it. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about human alignment. I'm Jo Dobbs, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engaged Success Movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK, involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, which is engagedforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. So my guest today, um, I haven't had a chance to speak to really because our technical issues got in the way. So um, I'm going to make an attempt at your surname, Lindsay. So it's Lindsay Wheaton Bogard, Director of Mirror Mirror. Welcome, Lindsay. Is that right, roughly? <laughs> hi, hi, Joe. Um, very close. It's Lindsay Alton Bogard. Um, ah, so well, okay. uh, yeah. But you can, you can, you're forgiven. It's a ridiculously long, difficult to pronounce their name. So uh, lovely to have you with me. I apologise for our technical issues, but uh, hopefully you can hear me uh, better than you could earlier. Um, and so we can uh, get on with the show. Yep, let's go for it. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do at Mirror Mirror. Yep, so... Um, so I, I'm from the UK, obviously, and um, but I'm now living in the Netherlands. I came across to the Netherlands after having worked in employee in in, in, in small enterprises, um, uh, and and came across to work with a large oil um, energy organisation, and it was the stark contrast between working in um, very small organisations where you actually do need to put quite a lot of effort in to figure out you know, what's going on, who did what, who is who, in fact, uh, what happened as a result, and what are we going to do next? That whole piece around what you could term alignment between people, um, I felt was um, extremely difficult, if not impossible, to grasp in the large organization. Uh, so I came mm. over in 2001, so that's a long time ago, um, to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. I'm still living here now. Um, and having worked then in organizational communications, in employee communications for subsequent sort of 15 years, um, both in the energy, IT, and telecoms industries, um, I decided to um, team up with another XL employee and um, together work on an approach um, to human alignment for the large-scale organization, which is what we'll be talking about today. So that's what Mirror Mirror does. Uh, we have an approach for that. Yeah, lovely. And as you say, it's sort of hard enough to, to do those things in a small organization. I can't even imagine uh, <laughs> the, the sort of um, the, uh, the shock of <laughs> that large organization, because it's a rather large organization, isn't it? <laughs> so... Um, so tell us a bit more about what human alignment is from your perspective, so how you define it, um, what that means for, for the people that are, are listening within their own organizations. 
Right. So um, imagine that um, you know alignment has often got connotations where people will match up goals from the individual level to the team level to the strategy level. And um, more recently, there's there's more on enterprise alignment. When I say recently, I mean in the last um, you know decade or two, where, whereby alignment is about matching up the parts of the organization, the purpose, the strategy, the capabilities, um, and, and putting everything together so that it's ready to go. Now, the one piece mm-hmm. missing from that is the piece on top, which is about how people interact and align between each other. And it sounds very obvious, um, but it's simply not happening. As you can imagine, in these large organizations, um, you've got people going to um, in, in meetings or in, in, and going to um, uh, not present in other meetings, reading various versions of documents um, that other people haven't read, um, coming in new to teams um, in today's hybrid world, not even meeting each other before um, they get to collaborate. And all of this together on top of the fact that people have their own way of interpreting things, their own, as we know, they have different preferences, different um, uh, ways of looking at things. You put all of that together and it's it's simply an accident if people just automatically completely align on how they are delivering together to the strategy. And so that needs support. That's the argument. Um, mm-hmm. So, so yeah, we we... we we're really raising awareness about human alignment, which is about alignment between people, which is both cognitive and behavioural. And why is it so important to us um, now? Um, I guess one of the obvious things is, is going to be that it was hard enough when we were all in the same office, but now <laughs> quite often we're all in our own home offices trying to sort of connect with each other. But why is it so important now? Well, um, uh, now is about sort of three reasons as far as we can see. I mean, things are more complex than they used to be. Things are more dynamic than they used to be. That's just ever increasing. Of course, we've got um, more diversity in the workplace because people can work from anywhere. And where you get more diversity mm-hmm. and more cultures, there's more of a challenge actually to be inclusive and to hear people and to take on board different perspectives. Put the hybrid mm-hmm. workplace on top where people actually can't really read each other's body language or ask each other those questions um, and uh, people are just um, jumping to assumptions consciously or unconsciously to create stories about how things are what is our reality and people have to 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 create that kind of um, understanding in their own mental model about how the world works in order to be able to take make decisions and take actions Um, and we know from research um, even before the pandemic that conflicts at work occur because of stories of made up about what's happening and why and used as the basis of their actions. So um, uh, this is a an underrated, unrecognized area, in my view. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk a bit more about that because, you know, in the Engage Success movement, we talk about the four enablers and, and one of them being the strategic narratives, so getting really clear about what the organisation is, you know, where they've been, where it's currently and where, where it's going, and then sort of connecting people to that with the enabler of engaging managers. And, um, you know, we talk about organisation integrity, so, you know, making sure that we don't sell these things and have something different happening sort of in reality. And what you're sort of saying is that is what's happening mostly, I think, because of the fact that there is that disconnect between those things that I've just said and, and sort of actually how people are, are behaving. Um, 
and I, I think a lot of organisations are probably using the enablers or, or doing their own version of that to communicate within organisations and thinking that that's sort of going to do the job. And I think from what you're saying, it isn't. So what's that sort of extra level? What, yeah. What you know, what what where is it falling apart? But also, how how can people um, do something um, differently? So because. What you're saying is, when I when I sort of came across um, the work that you you did, it, it, straight away it was like, oh, I've not heard that before. And then I sort of started to to you know read a bit more about it and and realised as you said that there are all these issues within organisations and human relationships and so on. But as you've already said, people don't really understand it. People think that by just telling people the story of the organisation and you know working nicely with people that it's all going to work, and clearly it isn't. <laughs> So talk a bit more about where that will be. Yeah, yeah, and there's, and um, that that enabler um, about creating the strategic narrative is is absolutely necessary, of course. But in what the research is telling us about the the way that people make assumptions and the way that people interpret things differently and how they need to make sense of things on their own terms, it just means to say that there is one step more needed on top. And that extra step is about social constructionism. It's allowing people, so that's a, a big kind of fancy research term that's, that's fairly well known from the 70s, in fact, which is about the fact that people construct meaning through language with each other. So simply creating a narrative and disseminating it is only half a story. Um, because once you've done that, people can still read into, well, how does that translate to my local um, job in delivering to that strategy, regardless of how high or senior person is or how operational they are, how does that translate into me and the work of my team? Now, that's something that's open to interpretation. So what does that narrative mean to me? There's a, there's this, there's, there's a risk, of course, that, that different people will interpret that in different ways and think, oh, for example, quality. Oh, quality means, um, you know, going very slowly and doing things properly. Oh, oh, quality means involving lots of different people. What does quality mean? Well, and we don't want to go ahead and start bogging people down in meetings by having them deconstruct the meaning of every word that they use. But we do want to give people an opportunity to... Um, to make sense of what that strategic narrative means on their own terms, in their own ways, in their own context. And that's often the missing piece because line managers are objective, are subjective as well, and they're not trained facilitators. And you cannot tell people to align. So in a sense, um, the manager's not in the right position, but they do need some support with that. They need some support mm. with making sure that there's an opportunity to properly socialise it and understand it so that people are aligned to pull in the same direction. And it sort of um, goes into the, the enabler about employee voice from my perspective from what you've just, just said, um, which is obviously about you know getting employees involved and able to have an, a, an opinion of you and, and, and help to shape the story. But I guess that in itself can linked to all sorts of different stories as you've, as you've just said so so what what should leaders be doing what should organizations be doing what's the approach that um you suggest they take so so as as far as a mirror mirror is concerned which is an alignment kind of approach and diagnostic um is that when people in order to take in the employee voice 
the most relevant audience to that voice are actually team members who are collaborating with that person in order to be able to learn from them so that people can be heard but also hear each other. So in a way, an alignment as a process is a learning um, proposition at the local level for people in a, who are working together to learn from each other about the different options available so they can assess them and figure out what needs to go forward. And I think the, the that's a slightly different take on my understanding of the traditional uh, way that the employee voice is treated, which is about shoring up feedback en masse in order to give feedback up the chain to leaders, which of course is, mm -hmm. is relevant and useful. I'm not saying that anything's wrong. I'm just saying that it's probably a, diff a nuance but on this is that the employee voice is most relevant to, to the people that they're collaborating with to deliver. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the challenges with the employee voice and strategic narrative in organisations is, is if you're asking people for their sort of thoughts and feedback to help shape the narrative, where it's almost like you end up in a sort of a circle or cycle or whatever where where does it start and finish? You know, you need a top-level sort of objective set by the organisation anyway, but if you're constantly getting feedback from people, um, then that's going to change things. I, I suppose if you're thinking about the whole alignment piece and the fact that people make up their own stories as well, then it makes it very complex. <laughs> so well, how, how do you work with organisations to sort of unravel that? What's the, what's the process? What does it look like? Well, we, we treat the... Um the strategic narrative and the strategic frame as something that's less negotiable because often these right. things are pre-decided and people do want mm -hmm. to be told what is you know I've been recruited for a job tell me what my requ what requirements are etc although of course everybody would already have a good idea about what they're supposed to be doing but what I mean is the strategic frame is something that is presented to them and mm -hmm. in order to bring in the employee voice and to put that strategic narrative in context, that is back to a word that a lot of people think is very um, unwieldy these days, these days and scary sometimes, which is dialogue. Mm -hmm. um, and even though it sounds really obvious and lots of people are having dialogue, of course, uh, all the time, that we, 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 are, we are making attempts to align with each other all the time. But the, the process, the alignment process and having an alignment focus means using starting with data because let's just take a step back alignment isn't something that somebody knows or somebody does alignment is between people so mm -hmm. how do you know when how do you know about all of the alignment gaps that exist that are important between team members well you don't until they are discovered and people often try to discover those in conversation but the difficulty with conversation is that one we don't have that much time uh, two, people are dancing around kind of social and political kind of, you know, niceties, if you like, in a way, because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to, um, to always sort of share your thinking, um, especially if you haven't thought it through properly and you can't really justify yourself, which is often the case because we don't have all the answers. But that leads me on to the third point, that it's not always psychologically safe to do so. People don't want to point the finger of blame. They don't want to be the one raising the issue you know, they want to be, you know, keeping the peace, making sure everybody's happy, um, you know, being positive. So there are lots of reasons why conversation alone isn't sufficient anymore. And we 
the, what Mera Mera does, of course, is we capture how people see things in their whole system of work so that we can spot the common ground and differences and identify those alignment gaps as the starting point of a focused conversation that is about alignment as opposed to being about something else and while trying to align at the same time, which is just annoying <laughs> often. <laughs> so, 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 you know, because you often get people going, hold on a minute, can you tell me what you mean by the word X? And, you know, people get stuck in the weeds. Well, I thought we were doing this because, you know, so-and-so in the previous team with their manager who'd said X, you know, and as soon as you start getting into what happened and uh, in the past and why and all of the reasons behind assumptions and uh, it's just impossible. I mean, that's where people just, just like, okay, let's give up and move on. Um, but that's yeah. not the way it has to be. And I think there's a, um, an incredibly powerful role and an incredibly powerful opportunity for the communicator as facilitator of shared meaning to use digital tools that, that reveal the alignment gaps and then organize to support the line manager for there to be, I don't know, every six months, whatever's needed when there's a new acquisition or a major change or a new strategy rollout, organize for facilitated conversations at the local level whereby people talk about how can we close these gaps? Where do we want to be? And can we just check that we are actually on the right page, on the same page, mm -hmm. moving forward in a, in a direction that leads to better performance? Because ultimately, mm -hmm. it is all about um, performance. And um, engagement is a, is a part of um, that, of course. Mm. And you talk about starting with data and you talk about um, team reality reports. Sort of how, how do those about what sort of questions are people asked in order to get that data yeah so um, if you ask people questions about their context and you ask them open qualitative questions like what's the purpose of your team and what is happening in your organization that is affecting your team and what we do is we mm -hmm. shore up we shore up every angle with open questions um, it doesn't take too long for people to answer them but when you compare the responses and the meaning of the responses, you can see actually are they are they on the right track, and um, are there any conflicts there? Because if there mm -hmm. are clear conflicts, like well, I thought we were going to outsource that, you know, and and people can talk at cross purposes like you wouldn't believe, um, because. They will interpret meanings of the words the way that they're slotting them into their own mental model about how things are. So it's really interesting. We once worked with a team where people were talking cross purposes and they had no idea that they were because they were saying things like, oh, well, when we achieve this, and of course, the assumption about how that will be achieved is unspoken because you cannot mm -hmm. literally speak about so much complexity in one in one. Um, go yeah. in one meeting um, and so you know you'll you'll hear people talk across purposes you'll be able to see their answers um, on a report that says that they are actually thinking different things and you can hear them talking and think that they're agreeing with each other and I'm not saying mm -hmm. it's always like that because often those things will become clear but sometimes it's different sometimes people can pick up on a on a conflict or an assumption or get a sense of it but not be able to really unravel it because it just takes a lot of unraveling um so mm -hmm. data makes that so much clearer and that finally by the way the thing that really interests me about the way that people perceive their context is that the way that people um 
interpret things will morph according to their biases over time, and especially when they're working at home or in different places from their co-workers, and they're not able to kind of pick up on or constantly make sense of things with somebody else, their people's biases, for example, around speed, for example, that somebody wants to go really quickly, they'll make assumptions about how things should be because of their motivations. It's just totally natural. Um, mm. So anyway, um, the reports look at context and they look at behavior. So for example, in the area of, in the learning behaviors area of psychological safety, and I'm saying learning behaviors because in the research, they are evidenced to um, dictate the extent to which teams can align because they are able to communicate properly with each other. So for example, if, they, if they're unable to voice um, issues, raise difficult issues and questions, um, and if they're providing a rating against that statement, which is always about the team rather than the individual. So we never ask people to provide a response about themselves because that's less relevant than the action in the room. So for example, mm -hmm. does your team, uh, do your team members, um, are they able to um, raise difficult issues and questions? Um, agree, disagree, uh, on a scale of one to five. So you can see the average score that people provide across the whole team, but you can also see the spread of scores. And that spread yeah. of scores is the extent of alignment on that topic. And the average score, obviously, is where, they're, where they roughly are, but the, the spread of scores is more relevant to alignment. So when you start collecting data about learning behaviors, data about how people perceive their context, and then finally data about how people see the extent to which the organization is supporting them in being aligned through, for yeah. example, providing strategic clarity, which is that enabler on the strategic narrative. If an organization doesn't have that enabler in place, there's no way they're going to be able to align to it. They've got nothing solid to align to, of course. Mm -hmm. So. These three areas are covered in this report. It's issued then before a dialogue so people can read through it and um, you know, kind of scratch their heads about it in advance, but then talk about not what happened and why and get into the weeds of that, but talk about what do we want the scores to look like and what do we need to do differently to get there and what are the misunderstandings that we need to correct about the context that we're in mm -hmm. um, so that we can deal with this. So it's really the most rapid way of achieving uh, preparedness to succeed um, because it, it, people will adjust their mental models through in the process of this dialogue without, without realizing it in order to go, oh, I see, okay, I didn't really, oh, oh, really, you know, is it that? No, this is the way I see it. And that is powerful, focused reflection. Mm. And is there any sort of constraint around size of sort of team to be doing this with? I mean, I was just thinking about, you know, employee engagement surveys and so on that you, you know, don't go below a certain number so that you don't um, expose people. But I guess that's sort of the point with this, that it's not about individuals. So it, you want to expose the four levels, but uh, how, what sort of size of teams are you working with in this? Um, so we do teams of between five and 20 people, and the reason why we don't right. go below below five is because it's not very productive to compare perceptions with fewer than five people, and more, yeah, than, yeah. Twen more than 20, it's difficult to actually, for the human brain to digest differences in perception above that number. Um, and, it, you know, it sounds long-winded, um, you know, just teams of five to 20 at a time. 
Um, but uh, I'm, all, I'm automatically going into defense mode here because people sort of <laughs> indicate that that's difficult to scale up. But on the other hand, you know, if you have um, consultancies coming in four months at a time trying to achieve, achieve change, um, the cost and the time of the, for the organization spent on that and the time of um, the inertia spent trying to catch up with what is the change that somebody else is imposing instead of people owning their own data and moving on with it. Um, you know, the dialogues that we're talking about are usually about four hours, something like that. Yeah. And we're just um, moving into the last sort of five minutes of the show. What it strikes me that um, clearly this this is needed, and that as we said, that you know, people, organisations can sort of set out their strategic narrative, think that they're communicating it, and and still there isn't that alignment, which causes the issues. But it sort of strikes me that if you're not aligned as a team, you probably don't realise <laughs> that that's what the issue is. So what sort of symptoms, if you like, do teams um, exhibit that would, would mean that this is a, a, an approach that ought to be considered? Yes, and that's one of the things that's so kind of meta that um, so many misalignment issues get put down to specific problems like, oh, it's processes, it's, you know, it's, Leadership, it's X, Y, and Z. Um, mm-hmm. off, if you if you see that people are working in silos against each other, if you think that decisions and actions don't seem to be lining up, if you feel that people don't get a chance to sit down properly to consider the options, if you think that um, things are moving so fast, it's it's too much, it, it's um, it's not productive because mistakes are happening or work is being redone or overdone or there's too much time or money being spent when um, than it should be. Those are the symptoms of the misaligned team or organisation. Lovely. And um, so, just to, to finish off, the, the the sort of people who who should be working with this, who benefit from this, who who are they? Leaders, presumably. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in a way, I, I've I've. Um, I, I fund, because I have a communication background, I feel that this is a communication process. But of course, everything is a mm-hmm. communication process and the communication is everywhere. <laughs> but I, I just feel this is like just such a big opportunity for the communication leader to collaborate with learning and development, collaborate with line management and HR, if that's possible, to integrate those mm-hmm. functions, to come up with an alignment approach that would play into all of those disciplines, really. Um, so this mm-hmm. can this can really benefit leaders. So, for example, let's just come back to your question here. You've got leaders; they desperately need a strategy to work. They desperately need this to to go forward, and they're looking at their communications part, department uh, leaders, uh, practitioners, and they're saying, you know, we really need everybody to understand this. Mm-hmm. So the response to that, of course, isn't well. We will push it out so they get it. The response would be, well, we'll create the strategic narrative and then we'll ensure that people are are able and have space to align to that. So in a way, the, the opportunity is is organizational because it's about performance, it's about leadership, it's about effective strategy execution, it's about gathering feedback and informing leaders back up the chain if you were to do this with multiple teams. Um, but from a communications perspective, if because of the um, because we're in engaged for success right now on the radio show, 
I would say that if a communication leader was to take this on board um, as a main main aspect of um, a, a year activity through change mm-hmm. with in in terms of with the partners, then they would benefit because communication deserves this kind of attention and priority um, and traction, um, and this is something that can that can really go forward. Of course, the people who end up benefit benefiting our employees because they de- they spend less time suffering from those uh, symptoms we discussed and mm-hmm. um, in the end leaders and the organization and their stakeholders benefit um, in the aligned organization but you do need um, a strategic narrative that's based on a solid strategy to start with so it's all dependent on that yeah yeah Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lindsay. Apologies for the technical issues, but we got through. We made it. <laughs> yes, excellent. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. And um, just to let listeners know, next week's show, we've got Mike Seidel of Pivot CX joining me. And I don't yet know what we're talking about yet, so it'll be a surprise to us all now. I will know by then. <laughs> so uh, that's Mike from um, Pivot CX next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.